Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Hey, everybody. Today, we are talking leadership. And we've got Nate Randall, CEO of Gab Wireless, which I know we'll learn a little more about, but they do safe tech for kids, which is just a small piece of the story that he's going to share with us. And I have a bonus for all of you. My team member, Jen Lindahl, is with us. She brought Nate to the table, and I want her to start with why she thought he would be the perfect guest for our little podcast. Yeah, so um, Nate and my paths crossed back when I was starting my career um, in the golf industry at Callaway, and we both kind of trudged our own path from there, but I've really, you know, stayed connected to him and, and kind of watched his journey, and as I thought about somebody who is truly, you know, a raw, authentic, vulnerable leader and really conscious leader, which is something we talk a lot about. Um, he was first the person that came to mind, to be honest. So um, I reached out and luckily he was gracious enough to take the time to chat with us. And um, yeah, that's that. Um, Nate, why don't we kick it over to you and have you tell us a little bit about your story and kind of where it all started and how it got you to where you are today? Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for your kind comments. You yeah. never know when you start your career and you, you start building all these relationships, you don't know where they'll go. And 12 to 15 years later, I think it is to be on a podcast with you is a really cool thing for me. So I, I appreciate you reaching out and Jamie, it's nice to meet you. Beautiful. I'll give you, I got through high school with cliff notes, so I will give you the cliff note we version. Are big fans of cliff yeah. Notes. yeah. Cliff notes. Uh, so I'm a husband first, been married 22 to my dear wife, Allie met at a, the first and last hockey game I've ever been to. <laughs> we have four kids, 19, 16, 14, and 10, three girls and a boy. We have a puppy and a goldfish. Uh, I've lived in California, Oregon, and Utah and a 20 plus year career in sports and tech. That's the cliff note. I love it. So is there a moment in your life that really shaped you as a leader? What sticks in your mind? Yes. Let's go. Let's go personal right out of the gate. I love it. My biological dad, when I was five, based on his own choices left. So I was the oldest at that time. It was myself and, and my baby sister, Sarah, who was a year and a half younger. And I had to grow up quick. I had to help my mom. She was on her own and she was single for a couple of years and she scraped to get by. She had an hourly job, an hourly wage job. And we, we really had nothing. We, we had very little. And so I watched her go through that and do everything she could to take care of us. And then she got remarried to this amazing individual who's now every bit my dad. And she passed away in a car accident when I was nine. So by the time I was nine, I had lost both of my biological parents, my dad to his choices and my mom to a car accident. And I had to grow up fast. At nine, I was washing my own clothes. 
ironing my own clothes, making my own lunch, getting to the bus stop myself, helping my sister. Uh, and we also had a, another uh, brother that my second dad and mom had, had added to our family. So I, I had to grow up quick. My leadership started at nine. How do you think that has shaped or is relevant to the leader that you are today? Do you see things that you developed then that are still part of how you lead? People. I learned very quickly who cared about my family and who didn't. I learned that showing up is everything and talking about it is absolutely nothing. And I learned that very, very young. And I, I had to translate that to my little sister and brother. And I knew that I had to show up through action because telling them that I would be there for them after school or that I would help them get somewhere didn't matter if I didn't do it. So I have tried to build my career around people because so much of my growing up was about people taking care of people or people taking care of me. And I have found the greatest joy in my career when I'm either giving back or helping people just as I did growing up. You've worked in a lot of different environments, right? You guys talk about Callaway more corporate and now you're the CEO of your own business. Have you seen that skill have to evolve depending on the environment that you're leading in or has it stayed consistent? It's been inconsistent, but I've done my best to make it consistent. So the first 15 plus years of my career, most of the leaders that I was around, or at least in the professional setting, it was keep your personal and professional completely separate. So I tried to be one made up fake thing at work, buttoned up, professional, talked a certain way, tried to carry my way a certain way in meetings. And I got burned out with it. I, I couldn't keep the two separate. And the more I brought myself to work, rapping at work, lighthearted at work, building relationships at work, it made me so much better at what I was doing. And then I realized that it was also helping the business. So I went from separate the two to I don't want to separate the two. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to build my relationships and my career in a way where it's either you understand what I bring to the table and how I want to treat people. And that's the way it's going to be or not. And if it's not, I'm okay with that. I don't need to be in your environment. I don't need to work with you. So I used to cater to everybody else. Yeah. And now I want to collaborate and build relationships, but I want to do it my way. And my way is the personal way. I love that. You, you know, you and I, I think are a similar age and I grew up very much in that same type of environment where you checked it at the door and you became your corporate right person when you walked into the corporate world. And I remember vividly the moment where that in my brain snapped and changed is a mentor I had looked up to for years. I wanted to be her, right? She was the epitome of success in a corporate role. And we, I was in a meeting and I was asking questions, being curious, right? Which is just who I am to find the best solution. And afterwards she pulled me aside and said, you've got to temper that. And I didn't understand what she meant. And she said, there's, you've got to play the game, mm -hmm. a game that I didn't even realize was being played. And that was the moment for me of just no longer living for someone else's definition of success in corporate and saying, I need to be me. And if that doesn't fit here, there are plenty of places that it fits. And yes. that ended up being an entrepreneur, right? It was the best place that that curiosity fits. So 
I love that message. And, and it doesn't mean you have to leave corporate for that to fit, but you do have to find the right corporate culture. Absolutely. And I have, I have made moves in my career completely based on that, whether the culture was working for me or wasn't. So I completely agree with you that, you know, the first 10 to 15 of my career, if I showed any vulnerability or any emotion, raw emotion, emotion for the sake of emotion, I worried that it was going to keep me from progressing. Now I've used it to help not only me progress, but others that I work with progress because I want them just to be themselves. Right. We talk about it being your, our unique ability, right? And when you're in Mm -hmm. that, the power for the business, the power for yourself, but what advice, so I know there's leaders that are listening that are in the environments that we talked about, right? Where they can't show up as their complete selves and their unique ability. And and everyone can't just say, okay, I'm going to jump off the cliff and quit my job. Right. I've got a family to support, whatever. What guidance would you give them on just how to start moving in that direction where they do feel like they can be themselves? What are some tips? Well, I think telling yourself you can't is the biggest roadblock. Just start doing it. There's never been a better time to be your authentic self at work than now. After the last two years, when we've been on Zoom and seen each other's dirty kitchens and pets and crying (laughs) kids, if you can't be yourself now, when are you ever going to be? Right. So I, I tell our team all the time, if you can't come in and be exactly who you want to be, but in a respectful and collaborative way, then this probably isn't the right place for you because that's the environment we want. We have such a good time here. I can't think of one person on our team who doesn't come in as their, their true self. And I, I, I love that. And I think that is the true definition of valuing diversity. Mm-hmm. right? It's, it's valuing who the person is, all the baggage they bring with them from their history. And them, because that's what creates the curiosity and the best ideas and a product or service that, that can speak to a lot of different people. So I, I just, I love that, that that's what I would call it is diversity. Absolutely. Mind if I share another quick personal? Please. When I was with Janet Calloway, I made one of the biggest mistakes in my career and I'll never do it again. My wife and I, we had a two-year-old daughter and our second one was on the way. And I won't take you through all the details, but we lost our our second daughter at full-term birth. And the Callaway team could not have been better to me. They showed up for me. They came to my house and built a play set for my my two-year-old. I had all the support in the world. And if there was ever a place where I could have said, I need some time. I'm not ready to come back to work. That's the place that I could have said it. And I didn't do it. I was so worried about advancing my career and making sure that everybody saw that I was a strong dad and this was difficult, but it wasn't too difficult. I don't remember the exact timing, but I'm almost positive that I went back to work within a week of losing my daughter. I flew back to Utah where we're from, buried my second daughter next to my mom, and then went back and started the following Monday. I was broken there. I had no business being back in a corporate setting and I toughed it out because I thought that's what I was supposed to do as a 30 year old dad trying to make ends meet and and advancing my career. If I could go back and tell, tell myself now 16 plus years later, I wish I would have taken 
a month plus off at least. And I would have been better for it personally and professionally. And I didn't do it. Right. That's a beautiful message right now because of the number of people who are stuck and it might not even be stuck in something as severe, right? As your story, but, but we're better corporate citizens if we give ourselves the, that break and that break could be a week off, right? It could be, it can mean different things, but I think we are all at like surge capacity over the last two years. And I don't think we're recognizing how we're showing up. Some of us as leaders, we're showing up really tired and really burnt out to our people. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you, Jamie, but I, I would rather have someone on our team come to me and say, I'm really struggling. doesn't matter why I'm struggling. I need a couple days. I need a week. Right. I would be the first person to say, take it, go take right. the break, come back. We won't think twice about it. We'll give you your space and come back and be your, your absolute best self. Yeah. Then somebody who's toughing their way through it, or feeling like they're trapped. And then I have to try to read the signals of what's really going on. And then sitting down with that individual anyway, and saying, come on, something's up, what's going on. Right. And then finding out after even more trauma and setback for that individual. And then we get to, why don't you take some time off anyway? Right. So building a culture where people feel safe to be able to have that conversation up front instead of waiting, 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 and then having it on the back end is something that we're trying to build here at Gab. I love it. What would you say are like actionable things? Cause I mean, culture can be this nebulous ball of whatever, right? So how, I guess, do you define culture and then how or what actions are you taking personally or you at your company to make sure that you're kind of building and living that culture? A couple of very simple things, but it takes time. I try to be as visible as possible. People are not comfortable talking to somebody that's not visible. So do I have an office? I do. I try to be in it as little as possible. So in the morning I come in, I'm sure people make fun of me behind my back in a kind or negative way, but I walk around every morning and I give knuckles to everybody. If I, if I don't at least give knuckles, I know we're in COVID. Sometimes I give, I call them air bows. Mm -hmm. If I don't make a personal connection with every person in our company, 250 people, I feel like I've missed. It takes a lot of time. There's some mornings where I start that journey walking around the office and in my mind, it's going to take 15 and an hour and a half later, I'm not back to my office, but I have done my very best to make it about our people and personally connecting with them. And then if there's a problem, whether it's with our team, our customer, an investor, or them personally, I hope they feel like we have a relationship where I've gone around and invested in them and asked about them personally. And now they can come talk to me in a comfortable way. So much of it is just giving the time to create the space where people feel like they can come to you. We talk about it. It's so simple. It's not easy, but it's simple in concept. And we talk about that's really our approach with leaders is simplifying culture, right? Instead of making it this nebulous, theoretical, really complex thing, it's in the small things. What you're talking about is building trust as a foundation. Right, so that we can wage whatever battles we need to wage together because we are, you know, we have a trusting team at our core that can get through anything. And that's what we're seeing is the strongest of our clients over the last couple of years were the ones that had trust because they were able to be resilient in times of crisis and, and chaos. 
And that's going to be, it already is a competitive advantage of the future, right? In terms of being a leader and, and creating a workforce and an organization that is resilient because this will not be the last crisis. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. The, the other thing I've done quickly, Jen, to your question, I have an amazing executive assistant and I don't call her my executive assistant. She's my business partner. And to make it sound like I'm the only one that builds a culture would be an absolute miss. We have amazing people at our company who care every day about people. But I hired a business partner slash executive assistant who keeps me on top of the people part of our company every day. It's so-and-so's birthday. It's so-and-so's anniversary. I just saw so-and-so in the hallway. I think they could use a quick connection. Having that business partner has been, it's all the difference because I can rely on someone to be eyes and ears for me so that if I'm trapped in a meeting that goes 30 minutes too long, when I come out, the first thing she does is update me on the people part of our business and I can go act on it quick. I love that. It's so important. You know, we talk about you've you've got to surround yourself with a tribe of people that have different skill sets and see different things than you see, because you've got things you're trying to tackle. You've got things you're focused on. You may not see it all the time. And I think that's so important as leaders is we're not in this alone. We've got to build the team around us. Yeah. The the other thing I've realized, Jamie, is as much as I want to be transparent and hope that people trust me, the title sometimes builds a wall. I don't want it to, but it does. And I know that everyone is not completely honest with their feelings or challenges because they don't want to look like the weak link to me. So when you hire people that are people first, they keep that in mind and not in a tattle or, Hey, somebody just told me something, but in this, in this proactive way, we have so many people in our company that look for those things. And then they just address them themselves. We have this amazing office manager who really is our, she's our chief culture officer in a lot of ways. Her name's Dana. She may take care of the office bits and pieces. She's driving our culture. She walks around and checks on people, highlights their day with a thought or a note or something that matters to them. And so you're so right that the people that I have around me or the people that I get to be around are people first people. And that makes a huge difference. What is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now in the business climate and your role with humans, right? And helping your humans be better in this, in this climate that we're operating in. What's your biggest challenge? We're growing really fast. And as you grow and scale, you add more talent. And as you add more talent, if you don't keep in mind the type of talent you want, and you're in a rush to go get the next person because the projects are stacking up and the expectations and demands are getting bigger, you can lose that people first part of your culture. And so the one reminder that I give to, to everyone as they're interviewing, make sure they're people first and you each, I I don't perfectly define what that is to everybody because I think that gets pretty limiting, but make sure that you ask questions. So you understand if, if they come into our company and there's a crisis or someone on the team is struggling, how will they interact with that person? So that that's one of our biggest challenges is I personally have invested the time and so many have invested the time to have this be a people first environment. 
that if we bring in people who don't think that way, it can quickly turn. Right. We describe culture and nobody can see my fingers, but as these threads, right? Every person in the organization is a, a thread in a fabric. And if those, any of those threads are weak, the entire fabric is weak. And that is the hard part about scaling. And we see it in our clients mm-hmm. is as you get bigger and you get quote corporate, right? Where, where you do need the process and you don't have the same connection to the people that you could when you were 50 people. Yep. And that just natural part of growth, but that doesn't mean you sacrifice the culture. And because to me, then you're playing for, you're, you're really solving for short-term pain. Like we need a body because we're so busy versus playing the long game, right? The infinite game that we need the right body. And we'll take the, we'll take the time and have the patience to find those people. I should have the podcast asking you questions. Your answers are better than mine. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a flip the script. Yeah. yeah let's flip this <laughs> I have a couple questions to run by. <laughs> I love it. I love Great it. Great answer. Yes. Right. And um, just a selfless plug, you know that we help with high scale, high growth companies, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's go. All right. Um, what is one thing that you want to celebrate and that you're finding success with, with your team and in your business right now? We will launch more products and services for our customer and our customer, it's moms and dads. Mm-hmm. We build safe tech for kids. And we create this environment where a parent with their child can have a device where they can communicate and a kid does not get lost on the internet or apps, games. So we have more products and services launching in the next six months for our moms and dads, our customers than we have in the previous two years. And it's going to happen so fast because we've dialed in our mission and vision and we've asked our parents what they need, and we're going to deliver those things. We get going so fast that my fear is we won't celebrate every one of those moments. Mm-hmm. And I am going to make sure I slow down. And every time that new product or service launches, instead of walking around saying, how many do we sell? Did the shopping cart work? I have smart people to take care of all of that. We are going to slow down and celebrate every single one of the launches because we listen to the parents and kids and we are going to deliver exactly what they want. And if you don't take time to celebrate it, then you lose the energy of those moments and you can't get them back. Right. All I can think about as you're describing this is um, articles that I've read around people feeling like they're in transactional environments where they're treated Mm -hmm. like a transaction, the work they're doing them as humans. And you are like the anti-transactional environment. I mean, that's what you're trying to create. And I think it's so important because people want to be seen as people, right? And they want that success. We talk about celebrating in increments. And it's not just about the finish line. It's about mile one, two, three, four, and five. And figuring out how to keep your team going. That's the resilience, again, that I think just keeps coming up. I I love every piece of this. And what it reminds me of, too, is we talk a lot about conscious capitalism. Our conscious leadership approach is really based on a conscious capitalism. And you talked about earlier, you mentioned investors. And the idea behind conscious capitalism is that we can drive profits and we can grow and be profitable as a business and make money. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Our investors, our shareholders can make money and our employees and our communities can win. And it's, it's companies like yours that are proving 
that you can have it all, right? You can do that all. You don't have to just satisfy the street or shareholders or investors at the expense of, of people. And I respect you so much having just met you, right? But I respect you so much for that. And this is a message that more entrepreneurs, more CEOs need to, they need to see examples like what you're doing. Yeah, what I, what I try to keep in my, I'm extremely competitive to, to a fault. It's something I've had to work on over time. We will lead this category of safe tech for kids. We will be the number one provider. We will grow at a rate and a pace that takes care of everybody that's been involved. That's not even whatever it takes. At the same time, I've had mentors teach me over the course of time that if, if I have time to give, I can't give it everywhere. I can't be everything to our people. I can't be everything to our customer. I can't be everything to our investors. It's impossible. And every one of them needs time. So what I've tried to do, and I've gotten better over time, is if I have a minute to give, it will be with our people. The people that make Gab happen, make Gab run. If, if I put everything into our people, our people take care of our customers. They obsess it. I don't need to obsess that. They'll obsess that. And if our people are taken care of and our customers are taken care of, our business grows and our investors are taken care of. Now I have to get on calls with investors. I have to prepare board. I have to do all that. But if I have a minute to give, it's going to our people. And I believe the trickle down ends up with our investor. And it's a, it's a virtuous positive cycle where everyone gets taken care of because everyone is in the best place possible. What a beautiful way to kind of end the, this conversation. And, and here's what I have learned from you. I've learned from you that leadership starts early, right? Your leadership journey doesn't start when you walk into, you get your first promotion into a leadership role, right? Leadership starts really early. And I think all of us owning our journeys, no matter how beautiful or ugly parts of them are, um, is really important in examining those pieces and carrying some of those early life lessons with you into leadership makes you a conscious leader. I think the other thing that's super inspirational is like you are busy, right? You have a demanding job, you have family, like balancing all of that, but then you are also prioritizing time to like make an impact in the community in so many ways. Um, like all of the college kids that you've been connecting with and mentoring and leading, right? Like the impact that that makes and, and really genuinely and authentically connecting with people and like taking the time and prioritizing that outside of all of the other stuff um, is just, I mean, it's unbelievable. I appreciate that. It's my mom is the reason. And we've talked about vulnerability, so I guess I shouldn't mind being vulnerable here, but at nine, when she said, I need you, you got to step up. You got to help me. I can't do this on my own. And I watched, I watched her scrape to take care of us and we had nothing. And so when I think about giving time back, she gave me everything she had. And then she got taken from me way too soon. And if I could talk to her 
I'm sure she would have wanted more time. And so if I have time, I want to give it to people that I can help because I know that's what my mom would have done. And that's what she did for me. So I, I, without her, I don't know if I would want to make that time, but I think of her and how can I not make that time? Well, and what it shows just the fact that you're here and you're someone from Jen's past, right. That she thought of when we were, when I talk about this podcast is that in and of itself is the legacy that you're living, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that is the ripple effect that you're having. The people that you don't know if later in life, you know, you, you don't know the impact that you're having. So you clearly are. And I appreciate you sharing this vulnerably. I appreciate the impact you can have on the leaders that are listening. And I want to end with, we have the kind of the bonus round of some just Ready. quick questions. The bonus, <laughs> so the bonus, bonus, bonus round. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Muhammad Ali. Uh-huh. As a kid, I would watch highlights from his fights and everything was stacked against him. Everything, the odds, the environment, and the confidence and charisma and fight that that man had to show up in the ring and dominate is, I think, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen, not only in sports, but in life. And some would say he had an arrogance to him. I loved his swagger. Mm-hmm. I would love to just sit down with him and say, in the environment you were in, when everything was pressing you down, how did you rise up and stand out like that? How did you believe in yourself so much that you accomplished everything that you did? That is a great answer. I love, I, I would love to be at that conversation. So you clearly, as we've talked about, are busy, right? You've got a lot going on and to, we believe to lead well, you need to be well. And so what's one thing you do consistently to be your own CEO, chief energy officer? Where do you make sure that you put that energy back in so you can give to others? My wife is the best part of my life. And I, I make sure that we spend as much time together as possible. With her, I'm not a CEO. I'm not anything other than hopefully her best friend and a date night once a week with my wife out to dinner cures a lot of things. So I I make sure as crazy as it gets that we at least get that moment to go grab something to eat or go on a, on a drive, whatever we need. She is my, she's my reset in a very positive way. I love that. Okay. And the last question, what's your best tip for making the world a better place? Give. I've had a lot of people, how how do you make time to give to college students? How, how, how? Because I cut things out that are a waste of time. Do I waste time? Absolutely. I don't binge watch Netflix. If I have three hours to toss into something like that, I'd rather be helping a college kid land an interview somewhere. I'm not trying to sound like mother Teresa or there are plenty of people who have given more time and done amazing things. But if I do have a minute to give, my hope is that my first thought is how can I give back? And that's, that's really where I found the greatest joy. That's when I'm the happiest. Right. We talk a lot about time management. It's not your issue for not finding time. It's, it's the choices you're making. And that's exactly what you're saying is you have the choice on where to spend that extra minute. 
on where to spend that extra hour that you have. So what a beautiful way to wrap this up. To say thank you to you, I feel like isn't even the right words. Um, I'm so glad that Jen introduced us and made you part of our family here and what we're doing on this podcast. And I look forward to staying connected and sharing this message with so many leaders that need to hear it right now. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks both of you. And Jen, you're giving me too much credit. When I was, when we were at Callaway and I was trying to build top flight, you were one of those that supported what we were doing. So I'm here because of how you treated me and how you supported what I was doing 15 plus years ago. So good. Goes both ways. Never lay up. Never lay up is my straight MO. <laughs> Love now it. You all Thanks. sit back while I break the flow. <laughs> we'll put in the podcast notes what they're talking about here because Nate may have made a music video uh, that we may need to include in the podcast notes just so everyone can see that. Oh, goody. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks, you too. Take care. Thanks, Nate. See ya. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.